Hi, thanks for joining us on another episode of Teacher Nerds Podcast. Joe and Ron are self-proclaimed teacher nerds geeking out on all things education. They are looking to move educational practices out of the 1900s factory worker model to a student-driven classroom full of empathetic, creative, and collaborative students who are willing to take risks. Joe and Ron welcome you to join discussions they used to have privately, where they discussed educational tools, techniques, ideas, policies, and much more. Joe is a third grade teacher and Ron a technology teacher for grades three to eight. Thank you for listening and becoming one of the teacher nerds. Check us out on teachernerds.com and that's nerds with a Z. Find us on Instagram at teacher nerds podcast or on Twitter at teacher nerds. And now a word from a sponsor. Four, have you heard about the nerds? What's the word? Teacher nerds. You can tweet them out on Twitter. You can find them on the gram. After listening to their podcast, you'd be sitting there like, bam! Trying to take the teaching from one level to the next. Reaching up to Canada and down to Mexico. Gotta go. Teaching nerds. Start the show. All right, welcome back to another episode of Teacher Nerds Podcast. I'm Ron Nober. I'm Joe DiPaolo. I'm a technology teacher, third grade to eighth grade. And I teach third grade. All right, and we are lucky to have a guest today. We have Kyle Nemus. He is an ed tech coach from South Brunswick. Welcome, Kyle. Good morning. Hey, good morning. Thanks for having me. Definitely. Yeah, really appreciate you waking up early with us and uh, getting on the show here. It's 7 a.m. we're starting. so right, before class, right? Before classes start. So we really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. <laughs> All right. So uh, Kyle is going to talk with us a little bit about uh, UDL, Universal Design for Learning. Um, but before we get into that, we always start our show with a little two yes more, one no way. And Joe, surprisingly, it's food today. Ron, you know, another <laughs> another tough topic too, desserts. Desserts. Uh, having that sweet tooth, man, I got a lot down. It's going to be hard to narrow. All right. So we're going to go ahead and start our two yes more, one no way. It's time for two yes more, one no way. All right. So, uh... Kyle, since you are a guest, would you want to start with your two yes mores, one no way? Uh, sure. Yeah, you're right. This was super hard to come up with, especially with uh, the season of all these delicious desserts. Yeah, so, yep. So two desserts that I love very much. Um, you know, the the old school apple pie. You can't beat that for sure. Okay. Yep. And then this one, I always get made fun of for this, but I, I'm sticking strong to it. The orange Julius from Dairy Queen. Do you ever have orange oh, Julius? Oh wow. yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh! The, the amount of times I've get made fun of for ordering an orange Julius, I um, it's too many, but I, I, that's one of my favorites. Are there Dairy Queens around you? Uh, no, not too many. Okay. But that's what makes it so much better when you see one. Yeah, I mean, there's like <laughs> I can't even think of one around. There's here. one in Browns Mills by Deborah uh, Hospital. I don't, I don't think anymore. No. No, there's there's an there's a beat up shopping center with nothing but I think a pizza place and a Dairy Queen and that's it. Yeah, I, I, it used to be. Yeah, I don't know. That's hard. All right, so uh, Joe, you wanna you wanna well, go next? Did you do your no oh, way? Oh, I'm sorry, your no way. Yeah, sorry. Uh, no, I mean so and so my no way. I also catch a lot of slack for is uh, pecan pie. I think is one of the <gasps> grossest desserts of all time. And <laughs> okay. People are like favorites. Agreed. All right. <laughs> all right, Joe, go ahead. All right, so 
you know, I came, uh, Kyle, from a family where we cooked all the time. Well, I should say my aunts, my, my grandmothers. Um, so this was hard because also working in a restaurant, there's I, I classify now two types of desserts. Desserts that my family have made and then desserts that you get in, in restaurants. Um, but I'm going to stick homemade because the, the one is my favorite from my grandmother who's no longer around anymore. And my uh, girlfriend has tried to replicate this recipe and has never really come close. Uh, cherry cheese tarts. Ooh, and they're, they're individual little uh, just cheesecakes with cherry on cherries on top. And I don't know what she did. It's Philadelphia cream cheese. So maybe hailing from Philadelphia, that's a good start. Right. Um, <laughs> delicious. So my second would have to be um, another homemade. Uh, my mom makes a really, really good, and I'll never tell her this, yellow cake. Um, and she makes a homemade buttercream icing. It's delicious. The reason I'll never tell her it's delicious because my favorite icing is chocolate. Right, right. Um, But she'll never fold because she can't make a homemade chocolate icing. But the buttercream is, I mean, it's it's delicious, hands down. Uh, <laughs> and my one no-way man is also pecan pie. And, All right. Uh, <laughs> and for years at this restaurant, that was everyone's go-to, and they loved it. And oh, man. I just, I can't, I can't dig no. on those pecans. And, and Me neither. No, no thanks. All right, I'm out of the club. Yeah. Well. All right, so uh, my two yes mores, one has to be just a straight-up chocolate cake, chocolate icing, just, you know, like birthday cake yeah, cake, yeah. you know, um, has to be one. And uh, my second kind of goes grandma yeah uh my dad's mom she was a a baker and loved to make food and so when we would have dinner at her house she would make me my very own lemon meringue pie oh man so it would be just oh. for me um a whole pie a whole pie <laughs> right um, lemon meringue is that is that like pudding it's it's like a creamy lemon curd i guess okay. and then like a a whipped topping on top okay um hmm. You know, and I think more just the memories of like going to her house yep. and, and she would make each person in her family, like whatever your favorite dessert was, she would make you your own. Holy smokes. Yeah. So you could take some wow. home. Um, and my one no way, man, it has to be like a tapioca pudding or a rice pudding. Oh, see, I like, like rice pudding. Yeah, I can't, can't deal. It's too chunky and lumpy and just <laughs> not cool. Um, yeah. Hey, so. you know what? That's why... Vanilla chocolate strawberry, right? (laughs) All right. So uh, let's get into uh, UDL, Universal Design for Learning. Um, Kyle, you had contacted me on Twitter and, you know, kind of opened our eyes to to UDL. I mean, it's not something that we were real familiar with. Actually, in starting to look at it, we actually have a PLC group um, with another uh, coworker, and we switched our topic to looking at UDL and how to kind of bring it into the classrooms more here. Um, That's great. Yeah. So can you just tell us a little bit, you know, at base level, what is UDL? Sure. So I can tell you that like, so UDL for me is just, um, I guess I'll tell you, I always like to go with the why, right? I think it's, I love it so much because it really helps get to the kids that we say in the margins. Um, A lot of times with planning a lesson day after day after day, it can, be really hard to kind of hit up some of those kids who want to go faster or slower. So the, the main idea of it is that you can really kind of meet the needs of some of those kids that maybe you haven't been able to get to. Um, so if it's okay with you guys, actually, I'd love to start off with kind of like a little activity. I've done lots and lots of workshops on this, but yeah. then uh, you guys be my little participants for a second. And yeah, that's awesome. So, cool. Uh, so I do a lot of analogies to kind of help explain what UDL is before I get into like the details of it. 
Um, so here's what I got, ready? So imagine that you guys are planning like a barbecue, you know, for the neighborhood or whatever it is, the normal hot dogs, hamburgers, you know, potato salad, whatever it is. Um, so you can think of the things that you'd, you'd bring to your barbecue to ultimately, of course, have a really awesome barbecue. Um, but you know that Bob down the street really, really loves like spicy stuff. Like that's like his jam. Right. Um, whereas his wife, Linda, she's got a gluten allergy. Oh. Okay. So just a couple little things about the people who are coming to your barbecue. And I'm sure you have other stuff too, but just to pick two to keep it simple. So if you were planning your barbecue, so Ron, if I'm going to ask you, what would you make sure you have at your barbecue besides the normal hot dogs, hamburgers, potato salad, knowing that you got spicy guy and gluten allergy, yeah. Linda? Uh, so I'd probably look for for spicy guy. You know, I'd have some maybe uh, like grilled maybe chorizo, something you know, some kind of sausage that's that's spicy. And then you know, for Linda, you know, I I don't know much about gluten allergies, but I'd be definitely going to the grocery store to that gluten free section and looking for some kind of burgers. You know, I know uh, there is an app on the phone where you can scan to make sure nothing has gluten in it. You know, so I'd, I'd be pulling for her. Maybe, you know, my guess is, and I'm probably right on with this, but like <laughs> shrimp, things like that, do not have gluten, mm, um, okay. right? So I would probably have maybe some kind of grilled shrimp for her. Um, Perfect. Yeah. Cool, so if I can roll with that, if you don't mind, it's kind yeah. of like, so basically you plan out your barbecue and you're like, hey, I got spicy, so let me get a couple spicy things and let me also make sure I have some shrimp for some you know, people with, with gluten allergies. Ultimately, then the barbecue comes and Linda's really happy and Bob's really happy, but there's a good chance that someone else is probably gonna have that chorizo too, right? right. Because even though like maybe they're not the spicy fan, they love chorizo or someone else really loves shrimp. So this to me is kind of like the big idea of UDL is you think who's coming to your classroom every day think of the barriers or the, the needs that they have, and then you kind of put out some options that maybe would fit their needs. So that's like kind of UDL in a nutshell, but what makes it so magical and so great is that you 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 would never have Linda come to your barbecue and you'd be like, hey Linda, listen, I got you shrimp, it's gluten-free, you gotta eat shrimp, and no one else besides Linda's allowed to eat shrimp, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you, right. and, and so the, 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 that sounds kind of ridiculous, but in some ways actually that's kind of what makes UDL different than differentiation, is that a lot of times in differentiation, the teacher decides this is what's going to this person, this is what's going to this person, ah, this is okay. what's going to this person. And so the, the big idea of UDL and differentiation is very much the same. You still want to meet all the needs of your kids. Um, but the difference is you kind of just, it's more of you put out options, really well thought out options, and then knowing that they'll need it, but other people can also take advantage of it. Um, so cool. that's kind of the, the summary of kind of what UDL is with the, the food analogy. All right, okay. cool. And that's, you know what, I was, I, you know, obviously, you know, we did some research, you know, Joe and I read some stuff. And one of the articles I read, they were talking about like closed captioning, right? It's yeah. for people who are hearing impaired, but there are times where I'm watching a movie and, you know, for whatever, the, the sound quality is not great. I'll throw on the closed captioning. I don't, it's not something that I need because of a disability or anything, but it's there and I take advantage. Exactly. So it's the same that, kind of idea. That's what it is. And so, I don't know if you saw this in your research too, so the whole idea of UDL actually started from architecture. Um, we kind of stole it from architecture. Um, basically, the idea was like, if you're designing a building, you think all the people, like if you're designing a hotel, you think of all the people who'd be coming into your hotel and you'd make sure you put things in place. So for example, you might put a handicap ramp 
um, because there might be people who aren't able to take the stairs. Right. But then like if you look out the window, you'll see kids running up the right. ramp and other yep, people yep, using yep. the ramp. So it's kind of the whole idea is you put things in hmm. place to, to help people with specific needs, but then it's good for one is kind of cause sometimes good for all. Right. That's cool. It wow. sounds like reverse design thinking, maybe like from or not necessarily reverse well, design, design thinking. Uh, yeah, I mean, almost goes along with design thinking, empathizing with someone and you know seeing what's seeing there, what they need, yeah. and then providing things for them. I I just wrote down it's like a buffet for learning. If we're gonna exactly, you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> being some uh, gluttons over here, yeah, right. <laughs> relating everything to food. No, I always use the buffet model, and I don't even know Katie Novak. She's a really awesome UDL person. She's on Twitter and everything, and she does a whole video about how basically differentiation is making a different meal for every one of your kids, which is insane. And UDL is more a well thought out buffet. Cool. That's yeah. It's a, well, you know, I, and I like that because like you said, I mean, you know, why not? If I'm going to provide a video for one student, why shouldn't somebody else be able to take advantage of that? You maybe use part of that, but also then use their textbook uh, as well if they choose to. That's right. Um, so it's one of those so things yeah. that just makes sense. It, it you, you know, but sense. you just don't think about it necessarily. But it could also be overwhelming because like I've done a lot of workshops and then so a lot of times you, the, so the buy in is pretty quick and you can easily see the benefits for kids. But then it's like you have to give a lesson day after day. And does that mean every day you have to give all these choices and that can be so ridiculously overwhelming. So right. and so what I always tell every teacher is that like it doesn't need to be this whole big buffet. So like um, so on, like a simple example, let's just say you're giving a lecture or whatever it is and, and the kids are taking notes right yeah and you know that some kids just really need some sort of visual help when they're taking notes so like you put out some highlighters on the table and say hey guys so like if you need them there's some highlighters here to help you it's supposed to help some people help you remember some key terms like that's udl like in, that, like in, in its simplest form like you said i'm going to give some notes and if you want some highlighters there's some highlighters there you know what i mean like or i have a graphic organizer if you want to use it to help you organize your ideas it's just it's just the forethought to put out some really simple ideas that are going to help people, but it doesn't need to be this gigantic buffet of options. Okay, and that you know that I think was when I, I had looked at your uh, YouTube channel, and you have all the videos. Right. For, I'm yep. like, holy smokes, man! This dude must have spent like two years videotaping every lesson and, and putting together videos. You know, you sh you let somebody see that thing in a UDL, and they're going to, like you said, be overwhelmed and just be like, I can't, I can't, I don't have the time to do that. And I guess right. it can go little by little right you you do one lesson and then next next time maybe you you film two lessons or you do something like that it is very gradual and to whatever comfort level you're at and to whatever you feel works for your kids like i happen to go big with it because right. i really love to give lots of kids choices so i would never give my workshop about what my class looks like as the very first thing because i do have a lot a lot of options but that was like over the course of like seven years to get right. to that point you know right. what i mean like mm -hmm. very slow and, and, and small so if you know, so the highlighter was one, you know, kind of very simple thing and a graphic organizer. If you had somebody, you know, wanting to jump in, you know, like, because I'm looking at them, it's just making sense to me and I, I, I want to jump in. Um, what would be some other, like, simple ideas as to how do we, you know, get started um, very easily with this? Sure. So yeah, I can give you a couple examples, but like, yeah. I think we were saying it's really more of like just changing the mentality. Right. Um, so I'm going to give an example that is just to me one of my favorites. Like I love to play review games all the time. Like yep. I, I love to play and make and, and make class fun. And so I think a, a statement that always like kind of gets to me and, and hurts me a little bit is when like you hear a teacher say like, oh, all kids love to play games or all kids love to whatever. 
And so I think the whole point of UDL is not not everyone loves everything. So um, so a really kind of quick example, like let's say Quizlet Live. I don't know if you guys are familiar with yep. Quizlet Live. But yep. yeah, so like for the most part, most kids really like it and they dig it. You know what I mean? Um, but for some kids, it actually makes them more anxious and it's not an enjoyable experience for them. So like something as simple as, hey, guys, we're going to play Quizlet Live today. But because the goal, you have to think about the goal. The goal is I want to help you review for tomorrow's test. So we're going to play Quizlet Live. But if you don't want to, you can just study from your notebook for, for 10 minutes or grab a partner and quiz each other. And so something as simple as just letting kids have the option to not play a game or like wow, okay. because the, the, the goal is the same. You want kids to learn. And, and I think so really it depends if you're a really controlling teacher. It's really hard to, right, to, right. to have to have kids doing different things because you're like a lot of people are like, no, no, I'll play the game. Like, come on, we're all going to play. It's going to be fun. But like that kid is like, this is not going to be fun for me. This is going to be a nightmare. I'm an introvert and this is not my jam. Right. Um, so just that mentality of like, okay, what's the big goal? So sure, if you want to study for your notebook or whatever it is, that's totally fine too. So something simple as like, just like not making a kid play review game is one. Um, giving kids options for projects, which a lot of a lot of people will do. You know what I mean? Like if you're researching something, it is like letting kids pick the something that interests them um, or even the avenue if they want to make a video versus a PowerPoint or something like that. Right. That gets bigger and that can be, that's where people start to feel overwhelmed because then it's like, oh my gosh, like multiple projects and multiple rubrics and yada, yada. <laughs> um, so, but that's just the, anywhere you can find an opportunity to think, okay, what's the main point of the lesson? What are some choices? So options for projects putting out a graphic organizer or even like if you're sending kids something on Google Classroom, like a Google Doc of an assignment, there's a lot of times that we're, we assume that kids have all the same background knowledge. Right. And most of them maybe do have you know, the background knowledge they need. But if there's a couple, let's say, key vocab words, again, that you think like, huh, I bet you there might be a couple kids who don't know what this is, even hyperlinking that word to a definition. Right. You know what I mean? So, so most of the kids will use that Google Doc and they'll read and they'll skip right over that hyper, hyperlink. But there'll be some kids who will be like, let me just make sure I know what this word means. And they'll click it. And the, so same thing, like it's just little mini pieces you can just kind of put in place or having a dictionary on the table if you really want to. You know what I right. mean? Just just little things like that. Cool. Yeah. So it, it can. And that's the thing I think that's important. It, it can be simple and it, it may be things that you're already doing that a lot of teachers are already doing that you just don't even realize fall under the umbrella of UDL. That's right. And, yeah. and so well, I, the more I looked into yeah. it. Uh, the way we run our Spark program, our Genius Hour, is is UDL. It's it's definitely UDL. So right. then my brain started going like, how can I bring it into language arts? How can I bring it into math? Because we do differentiate in language arts, but it's not UDL. So I know, and even though they do have the choice of the activities they can use, there there's only one choice on the buffet line. You know, there's a social studies activity, there's a language arts activity. Um, and there, you know, there's a there's a free choice, and then there's a work with the teacher. But they, you know, through the week they get through them all. So now cool. my idea is going like I like what you said with the hyperlinks and the docs and whatnot, because we have an ELL right. student. So not only would that really help him, but maybe there's someone else that might not know the idiom or you know whatever right. that's in the um, the reading. So and it's just yeah, it's 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 just I guess talking about it and hear having those ideas and then discussing those ideas and sharing those ideas. Well, and I think you you know Joe, you also do a little bit of this because you know you have uh, books that you you record your read aloud. You know if you had the recorded read aloud, but then you actually had the book out and somebody could pick up the book and read it if they want to or follow along with the read aloud, or somebody could just listen to it. Right. You know that's also a way to just bring this in. Yeah, that's a that's a phenomenal example of UDL. Well, with um, with we video, like 
you know, I can't, I love the kids using Wii Video and, and the ideas for the projects and everything, Not, but I'm not doing lessons on Wii Video just because it doesn't fall under my curriculum. So then you use Wii Video to do the screencast, put the screencast, I mean, and that's, that just happened this year. Right. Um, right. Which was great because now the kids are becoming the experts and, you know, some kids are, are fun, are fine with going and playing and, and figuring it out on their own, but some kids do, they get frustrated and, and you know, the videos are just so much more helpful. You know, when you, when we go to presentations at a, at a local school district and the, and the presenters always seem to be taped with like maybe a swivel. There's a, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. like, I'm, yeah. I don't know if that's, that was an idea. Like I started to think about and maybe not even recording everything on the lessons, but just for like math, like the, the think alouds in the beginning of the lesson that talk about the strategies. Um, you know, is that, that's doable, right? And, and yeah. Yeah, I mean, you yeah. can really even open up your Chromebook, put it to the back of the classroom, and oh. record, right? And I mean, sure. you know, and and then have that in Google Classroom that a kid could go back and review, right? Or say, oh, I don't remember that strategy. They could go there, or they could go to their textbook and look at it. You could have a link to Khan Academy. Well, and that's to, another thing to do it right. Like, if I can't just generate a whole bunch of videos, having links to Khan or you know, good sources like Khan right. Academy and. Right. Um, and there are a lot of videos out there. I mean, it's going to take you a little bit of time to do some research, but you know, again, sure. it's not having to create it from scratch necessarily. There are people out there who've already created videos on Well, I was just strategies. thinking for my science program, I'm going to look more into your YouTube videos. Um, cool. <laughs> to just I mean, I'm third grade, but I'm sure there's things, you know, even that that uh that would stretch my kids learning. Um, so if they're interested in something to have that choice to go in and maybe look at something a little bit higher. Well, and I guess um, that's a point of UDL too, right? Like being able to have those kids who are, like you said, on the fringe. We always, I think a lot of times teachers think of the fringe as our lower, um, lower level learners, but it's also the, those high end students who maybe you need to expand their learning a little bit. Yeah. And so if I can kind of talk about the video just for a second, because like uh, you, uh, I did record a lot of my lessons. That was my main drive for making the videos. It was it was actually the, the, the kids who were bored. It was, right. To me, there was nothing worse when I would be up there teaching about the digestive system. And I would know that like four kids in the class know most of this stuff already. And like they are bored beyond belief. Like that would hurt my soul so much. Right. So, so like we talked about, I videotaped so many of my lessons that they would watch in class. Um, and it was just so wonderful because like they would be done in five minutes as opposed to me doing a 20 minute lecture, but then it presents a new, I'm gonna call it opportunity right. challenge because then you're like, these kids are done. And that's a scary thing too. When you have like four kids who are like, oh, I'm done. And like, so, but then once you work out your kinks and you figure out what works for you, then all of a sudden you have opportunities for them to go and learn deeper or help peers or whatever it ends up being. But right. like th those are the kids I think in particular that thrive on a UDL environment because they don't, I don't know, they're, they're being, not really being pushed to their limits. Right, right. Um, one thing I was thinking about too, you know, when you were talking about the, you know, people feeling the stress of it, you know, uh, talking about having different projects and, you know, thinking to themselves, like I have a, you know, I want the kids to create a brochure, a Google, you know, give them the choice brochure, Google slides, video, uh, you know, whatever it is and thinking you need a rubric for each one. You really don't. I mean, because what you're assessing is realistically the same for everybody. You know, so you don't have to do a separate, you know, rubric for we video taking into account. Well, did you have transitions? And because that's not what you're assessing. You're assessing the content, content that you taught. So you could have one rubric to assess all those different projects. 
You know, that's I mean, right. that's, you know, yep. so you don't have to go, go beyond that one rubric. Did you use the vocabulary? Did you use it correctly? You know, did you present concepts? Did you go above and present something that we didn't talk about in class or whatever the case may be? And that's your rubric. That's right. Yep. Yeah. I think it almost forces you as a teacher to make sure you focus on only what's important. Right. Right. Yeah. So, and which is actually really helpful. I mean, because that's what yeah. your, your whole idea is, is do the, these are the things that I want to assess and it makes you kind of focus there. Yeah. So that's, uh, and do I you like find, that. um, do you have students that just, that still maybe want to take a test or, or find it a little less stressful to try and do that whole type, the types of projects, um, and would just rather take, you know, a 10 question quiz on something. So, uh, so I will tell you there's certain things like I still gave every kid a test, you know what I mean? And, and, and so there's certain things that I wouldn't give options on. So like to me, everyone's taking a test for sure. You know what I mean? But like if I was doing a, a current events project where they got to choose the topic they wanted to research and how they wanted to show it, then I'd have a lot of flexibility with it. So I think that's important to say too, is if there's certain things you don't want to give choice to, like you don't have to, you know what I mean? Like right. there's certain like non-negotiables, like I'm sorry, we're all taking this test or we're, we're all going to give a presentation or we're all going to like, that's fine. But it's almost like when you have those non-negotiables, is there anything within them you could maybe give a choice about, you know what I mean? Or give some sort of whatever it is. So um, hmm. I feel like I didn't completely answer your question there, but I, I think that. Well, I think when, when, so that you, that the fact that you'll still give a test, you know, that, so then there's, there is some valor then in, in taking those types of assessments. Um, Cause I guess, you know, they're going to take them in high school and, right. and there's, there's test taking skills. Um, you know, it's. But I mean, it's also, you know, throughout the lesson as you're doing little assessments here and there there may be some choice or how you study for the test there may be some choice that's that's right. the whole idea we may all still take the test well even like uh, i run an inclusion classroom so you know the way uh, a student with an iep is going to take a test is definitely a little different but but you know so it, there's there's a to me there's a lot going on there's a lot maybe running an inclusion classroom or just running a, a choice classroom um and a passion-led classroom there's it seems like a lot of these ideas are flowing around. I just, right. and I have them all in separate pieces. I just want to try and, you know, I'm glad you reached out to us because we've been using uh, the classroom queue and now it got me even deeper yeah. into the UDL. Oh, and um, I, you so, know, I guess we should mention that, you know, your, your co-inventor, a uh, classroom queue. So classroom queue, a, a teacher and I, we made this tool. Um, it's just because my classroom became very UDL oriented where kids are kind of working and I'm walking around helping kids all the time. It became challenging because hands were up all the time. Um, even, you know, you can still say ask three than me or all the systems you want. Inevitably, you still need to help kids. Um, so it's just a, like a digital deli ticket kind of system. So <laughs> they're able to, uh, to easily just let you know they need help and then they can get back to work without sitting there with their hands up. Right. So it's really super simple. Um, super made by two awesome, teachers. We, awesome, yeah. awesome, awesome, awesome tool in the classroom. Yeah. Um, quick Thanks. plug. Yeah, it, it's killer. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so and and so let's get back to the uh, the the UDL, I guess. Uh, yeah. So here's, if I can give anyone who's thinking about there and hopefully ramped up right now and excited to try it, I want to tell you the, the mistake I made to hopefully help everyone out there who maybe will make the same mistake. It's, um, so what I made, the mistake I made, I was like, oh my gosh, like I can give so many awesome choices. This is going to be amazing. So like when learning digestive system, I put out, I'm like, you can watch this video or this video or this video, and you can do this and this. So I give kids choice overload. Yep. Like I was right. so excited to give them choices and it was such a disaster. Like there was choice paralysis. Like it was like, yep. I don't like, I, there's like 10 options to learn one thing. Like, I don't know how I'm supposed to learn this. So I had to really go back to the principle of UDL, which is like, what is the goal? 
what is the barrier that's going to run into? So if the barrier is some kids want a video, then I'll just give them one video that's a really right. good video. And if some kids really like to read, I'll find one really great article. So it has to be very thought out options based on the barriers of your class, not just like let's go choice happy and give eight video making options because that, that defeats the purpose. Like you need to be able to answer the question of why am I giving them a video option, a reading option, whatever it is. So it has to directly correlate to the goal of your lesson and the barriers they're going to face for it to make sense. So don't go making choice overload because it'll be a disaster like I had. Right. So you, you get that, what is it, uh, paralysis by analysis kind of thing, right? They so, don't even know where to start. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I think that's a good point because that was my first thing is like, ooh, you know, how many choices can I give? But realistically, you might want to narrow it down to less than five. You know, um, choices. And I like the idea, like you said, think about what the barriers the kids are going to have. And they're the choices that you you set up. Right. Very well thought out choices, not just going choice happy. Yeah. Um, all right. So we are, you know, we do want to reach out. We're going to have you back for another, um, you know, podcast episode, just kind of maybe about some of the tools that are out there that you've used for UDL and, you know, what you think would be best for. Um, someone starting out or maybe going to that, you know, next level, you know, they tried basic things and, and want to go to a next level um, and some of the tools that you would recommend. Yeah, sounds great. Cool. Um, so, you know, I'll reach out to you to you soon. And, uh, you know, it'll be after the, the first of the year, probably we'll, we'll do that. Cool. Um, so where can people, if people want to find you, you know, social media, things like that, you know, where can they find you? So you can find me on Twitter at Kyle Nemis, K-Y-L-E-N-I-E-M-I-S. Um, I'm on there a bunch trying to figure find some good ideas and tell the world about them. But um, yeah, it's the best spot. Okay, yeah. awesome. Um, well, thank you again. We really appreciate you, you know, waking up early and uh, joining us here. In, yeah, man, thanks. And uh, New Jersey strong, everybody <laughs> <Yeah>. here, <laughs> Jersey. Um, all right, so uh, thanks again. We hope you uh, you have a great rest of your day, Kyle. No, that was great. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Really appreciate it. All right. See you, man. Bye-bye. All right. So, Joe, that was... That's a lot, Ron. Yeah. That was, that was awesome. Awesome ideas. I mean... I can it, I can see now after talking to him uh, where the idea of the classroom queue came from. Or where absolutely. That, where that need came from. Yeah. And I think, you know, it was also because, like I said before, you know, my wife says I'm a t-shirt buyer. I got to be all in, right? So, all in doesn't have to be crazy right 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 little basic steps the highlighters just just like that him th saying you know put a highlighter out put a graphic organizer out if you want to use it use it if not that's fine um given a little choice at the end of a lesson you know do you want to extend your learning if you finished here, here's a way to do that right um thought it was awesome um so that ends our episode once again i'm ron nober i'm joe DePaulo. check us out on teachernerds.com or at teachernerds on twitter and Joe on Instagram. Teacher Nerds Podcast. All right. And Joe, that is Nerds with a... Z, Ron. Ah, Z. Thank you very much. Um, Bless you. <laughs> <laughs> um, check out the Teacher Nerds store on teachernerds.com where you're, you know, get some cool Teacher, Teacher Nerds, Nerds gear. gear. Um, we have our Be Weird Like Fred, Fred Rogers, uh, Mr. Rogers. still going on, Ron? Yep. Still have it up there. Cool. Um, some cool t-shirts up there. Uh, sweatshirts. I'm wearing my Be Cool Like Fred or Be Weird Like Fred t-shirt uh, underneath my Teacher Nerds sweatshirt. You're the man. I'm all Teacher Nerded out it. today. Um, Thanks again for joining us and look for us on another episode. Bye. Teacher nerds, teacher nerds, knocking on your door. Open up, let's take your teaching further than before. 
Give it a try, don't be shy, there's nothing there to lose. Worst thing that happens, kids get pain on their shoes. We're talking teacher nerds, I'm talking teacher nerds.